0: And welcome back, everybody, to Double Down with Russ where we cover everything going on in the business of sports betting. we got a really unique guest today. We're going to be focusing on the fantasy side of sports betting and in an area of sports betting that you don't hear that much about, at least not in the U.S., and that is in the racing space, the car racing space and perhaps other elements of racing. But we've got Russ Fruin here to tell us all about it. He is the founder and CEO of Grid rival um which he started uh, a few years ago and we welcome you to the program thanks for coming on russ
1: james thanks for having me glad to be here look forward so, to uh, chatting
0: yeah so give us a little background on you first of all you know how you wound up in this space is it because you're an amazing racing fan or amazing sports betting fan or both
1: uh definitely was much more of a motorsports fan than i was a you know, sports better fantasy player, which is kind of how the thing started in the, uh, to begin with. Um, so a little bit of my background, I've kind of been an entrepreneur in one way, shape or form since, you know, early twenties, I started my first business, uh, when I was 28, which was in the media buying space, which I'm sure we'll talk about and started this as a side project. And it really started out of, uh, well, I'll just say a lot of a very large percentage, I think of motorsports fans are often not traditional sports fans. And so that's kind of how I was growing up as well. And as a result, I kind of always saw every year my friends playing season-long fantasy football and doing March Madness and kind of the engagement that it created and was just always a little bit jealous that nothing like that existed for some of the sports that I really loved, um, which uh, I, I I kind of love all motorsports across the board. There's not much that I don't like, but I really have always you know been a huge Formula One fan since about the early 2000s when I was a teenager. And so I took the opportunity to finally solve the problem. And so the business actually started as me scratching an itch that I had. And so built a season-long fantasy Formula One game uh, that was desktop, web only it was not even a mobile app this was back in 2017 and had no i, I would say maybe not no but, but but close to no business ambition for it it was purely just for fun and ended up signing up about 25,000 users uh the first week or so that it was online wow amazing and yeah uh and so when that happened uh and yeah I'll just say when that happened I you know kind of opened up my eyes I was like wow there's maybe quite a few more people that w- wanted to also do this than myself and I started doing a lot more research on, you know, the audience, the opportunity, uh, was not in a position where I could go do anything with a full-time yet because I was running another company was exited that business in, uh, 2000, uh, late 2019, which as we all know, was six uh, about six months after PASPA was repealed and just put me at a point in life where I was able to assess what was next. And, uh, it was really at the intersection of the rise in motorsports that I knew was coming, I didn't necessarily know it was going to, you know, I couldn't have predicted the whole drive to survive phenomenon stuff that's happened with formula one. But I, but I knew that motorsports was for the most part across the board, kind of very undervalued and and long overdue for what I would call a digital revolution. And um, at the same time, I saw the opportunity, the sports betting pace space with passive being repealed. So it created this really interesting intersection um, that I knew could be a potential big opportunity. And so after we did some market research and got comfortable with, you know, whether or not the business was venture scalable and, you know, what the the opportunity was, uh, ended up going full time in early 2019.
0: Yeah, so so question about you know because obviously Formula One been huge in Europe and now it's starting to take hold here. I mean, it's been huge, I guess, worldwide, but let's just talk about Europe for a second because sports yes. betting's also been big in Europe. So, was there any type of similar product in Europe for um, Formula One? I think it 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 depends on what you what you consider the
1: the core product of Grid Rival. So. If we're thinking of just in terms of sports, pure sports betting, um, there are certainly places where you could go make a bet on Formula One. Um, I think we were going after a much more enthusiast audience. And I think like even then, the types of experiences that existed were very, very minimal when you compared them to what was out there for European football or or different types of sports. There's just so much more coverage of everything else. And so nothing existed in the fantasy side. Um, so the season long fantasy product was the the thing that we've spent, you know, the most time developing. That's how we started. And that product has, at this point, I think, garnered over three hundred thousand downloads or sorry, red, registered users. And, you know, we haven't had to do a ton of marketing for that., uh, over half of the growth on that product has come virally from, you know people inviting other people. So mm-hmm. and then, you know, in the American market, obviously, there's very there's very little when we started. There there is increasingly a you know there's there's more and more books um, on this on the sports betting side and even on the daily fantasy side. You know the prize picks underdogs of the world. Now you can see some you know fantasy style games for Formula One, maybe NASCAR. But but even then, outside those two, the greater motorsport space, there's just not a lot. There's not a lot yeah. of coverage.
0: Well, and then a related question is: To what extent does fantasy sports even exist? in Europe. I've never really thought about this before, but we've got it big time in the U.S., perhaps primarily because it was the only thing that was allowed, mm-hmm. whereas Europe was allowed to bet on sports. And so therefore, maybe fantasy didn't take off. What, do you know mm-hmm. the answer to that?
1: Uh, I mean, I can tell you my experience based off of what I hear. Uh, obviously, somebody who doesn't live there but um, and has done a lot of research on it, which is it is uh, certainly growing. It's I don't think there's anywhere in the world or any sport that that compares on the fa- season long fantasy side than with the NFL. I just think, and I don't think that's because other sports aren't prepared or set up well to do it. It's just because that has been an integral part of the sport for so long. I mean, people were playing fantasy football back I mean, before I was born and before the internet existed. So um, I think it, you know, the season long fantasy product, and this is something that we had a lot of hard lessons in it's a seasonal product. Um, meaning, you know, it's hard to grow it every month, month over month, it's hard to iterate it because people play it with this full season mindset. And so there's this thing where, you know, you have a growth opportunity for four or five weeks every single year. And so I think um, if we're purely talking about kind of the season long, you know, community camaraderie driven competition driven product versus a a true real money gaming, you know, kind of singular, less social product, uh, I think it is catching on. Um, a, a lot of people i know over there play season long you know european football games and participate in other ways so um, i do think it's growing i don't think it's as big as it is, is in america but i think it's just a matter of time
0: yeah in fact in in us it probably started more with baseball if i'm remembering correctly yeah. I, right
1: yeah i think baseball I, i'm not did.
0: sure i mean
1: i researched it a long time ago and i forget the gentleman's name who kind of you know was like you kind know, of they call him like the godfather of, of fantasy football but this this yeah. was the 60s and 70s i think so. But yeah,
0: you're right. It's it's history is kind of as a social game, but, you know, probably some some betting among friends, uh, etc. I I think it it started with baseball, but then became bigger with football, and then it got, you know, exempted as as being, you know, from federal prohibitions that, you know, and that's why, you know, DraftKings and FanDuel became what they became. And um probably never really took off in Europe like it has here, but as you point out, certain sports are pretty conducive to it to the extent people want to do it such as soccer um
1: yeah and to your point um you know if we're bucketing fantasy and daily fantasy in different buckets then a you know my answer might be a little different i think daily fantasy is much more in its infancy outside the united states because of exactly what you just said we have we have a very weird legal landscape here where you know whatever you can get in a legal opinion to to say as fantasy sports can be operated um kind of without the same level of uh, regulation as a true sports book. Whereas in the rest of the world, you know, like we we have a, a UK gambling license that we've applied for and, and we're granted um, and they're, they they do not make any, they don't distinguish between daily fantasy or season long fantasy and, and true sports betting. If there's money involved and there's a prize and there's consideration,
0: it's yeah. regulated. Yeah. So speaking of, you know, how you define fantasy in the U S season long versus daily, what are you guys doing?
1: Uh, so we do both. Um, so so we started as a, as a season long game. um we invest a lot of time in that money because or a lot of time and and money into that product because it is a really incredible engagement tool and it creates a lot of viral growth every year. Um it's not monetized on our app. That product is not. we we use it solely as a way to um, you know, get, to, to grow the user base, to keep them engaged during the season and ultimately are using it as a tool to, um, introduce people to our paid games, um, which are so, just, so. Cl- just, so
0: yeah, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Clarify when you say it's not monetized.
1: Uh, meaning we don't, we don't make money off of it. Um, we don't, you know, we don't have ads. We don't, people don't have to pay for it. It's a completely free product. But are they betting? Uh, our hope is that they will. Yeah, we're we're just launching one of our first kind of single player kind of pick them type products here any day. But uh, sorry, what uh, I
0: mean is when they're playing fantasy season long against other players,
1: oh, they might be not on our platform,
0: though. Gotcha. So you guys are just yeah. tracking it for them. Yep. yep. Gotcha. It, okay. It's the game.
1: It's the gameplay. Um, so on our game is where they, you know, create their leagues, manage their teams, all that sort of stuff.
0: Gotcha. So w- wouldn't the next step for you guys be, if you chose to, would be to monetize that by saying that, okay, now, you know, it's a hundred dollar entry fee or whatever it is. Probably, and we take 10%? probably,
1: yeah, probably not. Um, simply because there, there's so many dynamics that exist with the season long product that just don't exist with the daily type products. Um, number one, you're having to track something for an entire season. So on our, on our part just creates a lot more liability, um, for things that go wrong, whether it's data challenges or technology challenges. And it's just not, I don't, we just don't have a ton of interest in it. And I also think Mm -hmm. like, I, I think monetizing it that way, uh, the opportunity is not as significant because you're only having one event, you know, if you're, if the prize comes at the end of the season, it's just not a ton of opportunities for people to, yeah. to do that. So I think if we did monetize it, we'd probably do it in some totally different way.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes me wonder when we talk about DraftKings and FanDuel, I think they probably do monetize season-long, but the percentage of their business that is season-long fantasy is probably very small.
1: Yeah, probably and i mean i didn't i honestly didn't know, know they have a season long fantasy football game and i'm like i'm i'm not sure if they do if it's it's if it's a, in a like traditional format kind of like you see with sleeper and yahoo and espn but yeah i'm not not totally sure
0: so anyway you started that always kind of understand hey this was going to be the way we were going to bring players in and then kind of now actually, we got our player base
1: <clears throat> we we actually landed on that because at some point um, you know, I, I knew it was a, a big opportunity when we launched it because it had so much adoption. Um, and I also knew that the motorsports fan base, both inside and outside the United States, was large enough to create some sort of venture scalable business. If if you could find a business model that would could, you could attach to it. And I think it just so happened that um, come early, you know, mid-2018, I was really thinking about what it would look like to be able to take advantage of the, the season-long product we built and we started to think about what are the business models that we think could be really lucrative real money games was nothing nothing else that we forecast and looked at would have come close um, mm-hmm. and we looked at you know in that purchase we looked at monetizing it with um, ads and you know just I, I think that the the opportunity that exists on both the fantasy and then in the future the the traditional sports betting side is is much more significant
0: so um, last question before we take our break. So when we're just talking about your season-long fantasy that you guys are hosting, not monetizing, uh, how is your player base breakdown between Formula One versus NASCAR or anything else?
1: Super heavy Formula One still. Um, we So on our season-long product, we actually only have two sports. So um, going back to the other question about monetizing, season-long games are just way more time-consuming to run for, for a lot of different reasons. But um, so we have current season long games that we have are for formula one and moto gp um and formula one represents probably 90 percent of the audience we will or are planning to launch our first season long nascar leagues next year and um if some of the plans that we have in place and some of the deals that we're working on come together i think that that could end up being half or maybe more of our season-long player base
0: yeah I, I was about to say that if i'm just if i was just guessing in america anyway are there more NASCAR fans versus Formula One? I would say for sure NASCAR.
1: Okay. Yeah, uh, absolutely still. Um, yeah, I, I think, yeah, we'll see
0: how that changes over time. But um, yes. Yeah. All right, cool. Let's take our break and then we'll start talking about how you're going to make money off of this. Uh, <laughs> Sounds good. Next. All right. Uh, we're talking to Russ Fruin, uh, founder CEO of Good Rival. We'll be back right after this message.
2: fellow seekers of financial success. I'm Chris Rowe, I'm the founder and CEO of True Market Insiders, and I'm here to introduce you to a world of untapped possibilities. At True Market Insiders, we're not just a financial newsletter company. We are your partners on this exhilarating journey through the financial markets. With all of our distinct services, they're meticulously crafted for novices all the way through to experienced traders. And we can make a novice into an experienced trader. Your investment dreams are about to become a reality. What sets us apart? It's simple. Customized education, models, and groundbreaking strategies designed to empower you at every step through investing. Whether you're taking your first leap into investing or you're a seasoned pro, our range of services will match your unique background and aspirations seamlessly. Picture having consistent and direct access to the minds, Behind your success. I'm joined by two remarkable colleagues, Costa Pacelli, a veteran floor trader with insights that come straight from the trading floor of the Philly Exchange, and Marco Woodser, a visionary who is a cryptocurrency hedge fund manager, and he's a visionary who saw the potential of Bitcoin when it was just two dollars. Together, we're here to offer you insights that shatter the norm and empower you beyond mainstream financial. It's time to break away from the ordinary and embrace your financial journey with True Market Insiders. Join us today and let's sail toward a future brimming with opportunities. Elevate your investments, broaden your horizons, and seize those hidden opportunities that are just sitting there waiting for you. Visit our website now at truemarketinsiders.io and become a part of a community that's rewriting the rules of success in the markets right now. Remember, this is Chris Rowe and True Market Insiders is your key to unlocking unparalleled financial triumph. Hi, it's Lauren the Better, and you're listening to Double Down with Breslow on the Evergreen Podcast Network.
0: And welcome back, everybody. We are talking to Russ Fruin, a grid rival, founder and CEO. Um, It is probably the only company out there focused on motorsports, fantasy betting on motorsports. Is that a correct statement, I assume, at this point? Uh, Minus the word betting, yes. Okay. Uh, fan- <laughs> fantasy, what do we, what do fantasy we call it? sports? Fantasy, daily fantasy sports, sports.
1: fantasy sports, okay. sports and daily well, sports. speaking
0: of of, uh, of betting, as so well, we're going to talk about the monetization. So, so, so far, we've talked about you guys setting up this season-long fantasy for players to play for free if they want to make a bet among themselves, that's up to them, but uh, not something that's done on your site. Yeah. And then at some point you morphed it over into daily fantasy and and are monetizing that?
1: We will be, yes, very, very soon. So we have two products that we'll be launching uh, that we're very excited about. So one is um, more traditional kind of um daily fantasy kind of draft model right you pick a lineup you you build a fantasy lineup it's a salary cap game so with formula one you have to pick five drivers and a constructor with nascar you'll just pick six drivers uh and then you compete against other players in a number of different formats head-to-heads um small pools that we're gonna be launching big pools as well you know guaranteed contests where you can enter multiple times um so that and you know, kind of many different iterations of it are, are, are what we call our Daily Fantasy product. Then we're launching a single-player Pick'em Daily Fantasy product as well, which uh, the current Daily Fantasy product is live in the app. If you Download Grid Rival today. You can play, you can download money, or sorry, you can deposit money. Uh, the product that should be going live, uh, hopefully any day now, is a kind of more single-player Pick'em product where you are building kind of a, a fantasy lineup for a single event and uh, you get a payout depending on how many uh, picks you you guess correctly for the event.
0: Mm-hmm. That's um, that's basically uh, the the prize picks model. Very similar, yes, right. Um, and so these will be the first games that you're offering where you guys are going to be accepting deposits, paying people out if they win, etc. You got it. And uh, DraftKings and FanDuel are they? What are they doing in terms of motorsports? Are they doing anything? They are doing some stuff. Yeah.
1: Like I said earlier, it's, it's pretty limited. Um, they're, I actually think they're doing a, a pretty good job with Formula One and with NASCAR, but, uh, Like I said, um, outside of those two, you know, when you go into most traditional sports betting apps or even fantasy sports apps, and you're scrolling through the sports, you know, you, you usually at the very end of the line, you'll see something that says motorsports, where everything with wheels is, is they stuff everything with, you know, wheels and an engine in that category. Mm -hmm. And so, um, usually what you'll see is some decent coverage on, on NASCAR and formula one, but outside that. You know, you really don't see a lot of stuff like supercross or motocross or MotoGP or Formula E or um, NHAR drag racing. There's all sorts of categories that have really kind of deep and passionate followers that i think are ready to participate with real money
0: what would be the next biggest we've talked about you know nascar and formula one in the u.s what would be the next biggest do you think as far as fan base
1: oh as far as fan base i would, I would put indycar indycar right yeah i think i think indycar is a really good product um got a got sold to roger penske recently and i think they've been doing a decent job um at uh growing that brand so I think uh, IndyCar would be third for sure And then fourth I you know honestly I don't know there's there's a lot of competing categories um that have that have pretty decent followings
0: um so so far from a regulatory standpoint because you haven't been accepting any uh, deposits or anything I presume that you've just been up and running in all 50 states and didn't have to really worry about the regulatory side?
1: Yeah, correct. So our season-long fantasy game is global. So we have users all over the world. Um, it is, you know, 90% of players are are, are in the UK, the US and Canada. Um, and then there's kind of like, there's there's the the remaining 10% are mostly in, in other
0: parts of Europe where Formula One is, is very large.
1: But yeah, completely free, um, unregulated um, and can play anywhere you want.
0: And has your business objective simply being to build for now a, a, a big player base and not worry about monetizing it up until now
1: um it's always been to monetize it i think it's been a long road to get there as you know there's a lot of you know barriers and things that you have to get get through and i think there's you know there's there's other parts of infrastructure in this space that you have to build just to get to market you have to build a digital wall you have to be able to store people's money um you know there's a lot of different things like that that we've been working on over the last 18 months so the the journey started in late 2021 which is when we we raised our first kind of venture capital back seed round. And the whole goal of that was to get everything you're going to see um, you know, over the last 30 days and the next 30 days live. So it's it's always been the plan since since I went and started full time, it's been the plan, but uh it's taken some time to to get to market for sure.
0: Right. Well, and of course, there's other ways you theoretically could have uh, monetized it besides taking deposits. Yes. You, you, you know, have you considered others or has there been any other advertising or any other method? Of, yeah, no. Uh,
1: yeah, we did. I think it was just that, um, like, as I alluded to, I think it, none of them were in our eyes as long term lucrative. Um, I think they could have been, you know, if we went that if we went that route, I think it could have been a good maybe lifestyle business. Um, but certainly not something that I think was capable of returning you know, vent- venture style um, business opportunities. I think the the one uh, path that we saw forward to build a really successful business with a significant valuation was on the real money gaming side.
0: So what does it look like these days to launch in fantasy when you look at it state by state? How many are you able to Launch in no yep. problem versus some, you know, you have to so, get so licenses. I'll,
1: I'll so it depends on um what attorney you ask and um who 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 writes the legal opinion and all that stuff. But I'll just say generally speaking, there's about twenty-five states that you could launch in today if you're if you're building a, a daily fantasy product without any sort of license um, uh, doesn't mean it's it's simple. You still have to get you know if you get legal opinions, you have to get approval through a bank. You have to get approval through payment processors. So uh, there are still many barriers, but getting an actual license or registering isn't necessarily one of them. There are another again very give this plus or minus maybe five depending on 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 some different things and that are happening. But there's another probably fifteen to twenty states where. They've said daily fantasy sports is allowed here, but you have to register or you have to get some form of license. And those are anywhere from free in the earlier stages to some states are $50,000. And then there's a handful of states that have flat out said, uh, this is... This is sports betting, and it's not legal. Um, you can't operate here under any circumstance.
0: Yeah, list a couple of those states for
1: me. Um, off the top of my head, I believe uh, Washington is one of them.
0: Um, I think um, Utah is another one. So yeah, you got yeah. some of their usual, you know, your Utahs and your sometimes Hawaii and Alaska. I think can be I kinda, think
1: uh, I think actually Nevada
0: might be one of them as well. Um, again, I know the list off the top of my head, and sometimes you got some Bible Belt states that are. Texas sure. has always been like, wh- oh, what, yeah. about tex- what about tax Texas? What about Texas legal?
1: Yeah. Okay. Texas legal. Um, or sorry, legal is not the right term, but, um, you know, not prohibited. Yeah, not prohibited. Exactly. Um, California, not prohibited. Florida is obviously a state that if you've been following any of the news is, is kind of, um, you know, on the, on the fence, there's some early discussions around, you know, what they're going to do over there, but uh, oh, I
0: didn't realize, you know, I've been following Florida to the extent of the, the, the Seminoles and the court mm-hmm. cases and sports betting, but does that also apply to fantasy that, Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, OK. The, so so the... Florida has not been allowing fantasy, essentially.
1: No, they they have. Again, this is like it's it's such a gray area. I think allowing is not necessarily the right term. They have certainly not been um, pursuing any sort of action against any operators that have been there in for including FanDuel DraftKings for a very long time. Um, I believe it was just last week that some of the the bigger daily fantasy operators, prize picks, underdogs, some of those guys were sent cease and desist letters, kind of saying, you know, anything that is uh daily fantasy sports um or involves real money is uh is is not allowed unless it's through a seminal tribe. So um I've I've kind of been following it closely. There's I think. It's it's not going to go down that easily. I can just tell you that. There's there's a lot of um, you know, very large fantasy sports operators, including FanDuel and DraftKings that operate there. Um, I think it's probably going to be some sort of um continuing discussion
0: in in some way, shape, or form that happens. But
1: we shall the, the, see.
0: The, the the states that are regulating it, are they putting a special tax in place on it also?
1: On fantasy sports or on traditional yeah,
0: sports? Fantasy.
1: Oh uh I I'm sure they are. I don't know the exact Oh um you're talking about the states that are requiring like the 15 licensing. or tr- Yes. Uh yes, some of them are um uh again, I'm not going to have all these memorized and this is one of the challenges of operating in this country is these every single state is kind of has differing opinions of how they how they do things. So some some may some may not. Um some states have, you know, very peculiar rules around um responsible gaming settings you have to have where some states don't, some states require you to be able to identify uh, experienced players versus non-experienced players. So taxation is is certainly something that fits yeah. into that bucket as well. Well,
0: and of course, with regular sports betting, you've got all the importance of geofencing to make sure that your players are in the state that you're legal Correct. and licensed in. When, and you th- talk, when you talk about fantasy, uh, is there any reason that you need to geofence absolutely. other than keeping out of the states that you're not in? But I mean, can I have a, a player in California... In the same fantasy game against a player in Texas. Oh, um,
1: yes, you can do that. So, uh, in, in the traditional sports betting world, the the Money Wire Act kind of comes into place and has has created a lot of challenges for that specific scenario. Uh, in the fantasy sports place you, you space, you you can play uh, with another player in a different state. Right.
0: And are, how much are you tracking the the daily fantasy laws pertaining to you know these pick'em games where it's you know you're not really playing against other players. You pick three and you get a certain payout if all three of yeah, them very closely. Those, I mean we the, we the price picks model basically.
1: Yeah. So so we obviously play play pay close attention to it um and have a very um uh, well equipped legal team to help us with, with some of those issues. So again another I think another topic that is gonna Continue. Um, I don't think there's been any specific, there certainly hasn't been any changes to the federal laws of the Unlawful Internet Gaming Enforcement Act that um, have created kind of this uh, space called daily fantasy and fantasy sports. Uh, it's certainly uh, become the forefront of conversation more so over the past, you know, 30 to 90 days than, than the previous year or two. Is it in the courts somewhere? Not that I'm aware of. Uh Um, yeah, again, I, again, I think there's probably more well-equipped people to talk specifically about the, uh, exact details of cases and stuff like that. Um, but yeah,
0: uh, well, you know, you've got, you know, certainly it, it's open to being litigated because it does seem like a gray area as far as what's considered fantasy and what's not. And there's a lot of money being made out there by price picks and others on it. And then you've got, you got some, a lot of state attorney generals out there. And then you've got these private attorneys that go out and bring class actions you yeah. know, for, for, for all the money that uh, their players lost.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, I think uh, we are, four and a half years post PASPA. And in terms of the lifetime of an industry, that's a very small amount of time. And so I think, especially one that's heavily regulated and requires so much changes to the law and lobbying and all the things that that are required to make change happen. And so I think over time, you're going to see some of these things iterate and, and move. And it's going to be very interesting to see how they, how they happen. But uh, I think there's, we certainly have a long ways to go.
0: Let's wrap up with this question. How far away are we from seeing a big ad for grid rival on the wall at Daytona?
1: Ooh, wall at Daytona. I would say you could very, I could, I could very confidently see that in maybe twenty twenty five. Uh-huh. maybe maybe late 2024 uh-huh. i mean daytona's daytona the race is in daytona 500s here in in, in three or four months so we're definitely not going to have it up then <laughs> but uh-huh. maybe next year
0: so, so but the first you're going to launch is formula one and then nascar or you're launching them both at the same time
1: nope those are both going to be live on our pick em game when it goes live um nascar daily fantasy and the, the kind of traditional daily fantasy draft sense uh will become it's it's live for Formula One. NASCAR will become coming out probably closer to the end of the nascar season we're actually building that product right now Uh uh-huh and pretty 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 close
0: and people are going to bet on your not bet but play your games on your website and on and on an app
1: just on apps right now yeah Uh
0: uh-huh and they can they can they can download it right now i assume
1: absolutely both yeah. uh, for uh, Google and or Google and Google play store yeah. and app store on Apple.
0: Cool. Well, congratulations, Russ, on your success so far. It sounds like a very nice uh, sports betting niche, which is uh, important to find these days, considering the big boys that are out there and, Tough to be we, we didn't get a chance to talk about your digital marketing background but I'm, I'm sure that is coming in handy big time because you can have the greatest product in the world but if you don't get the word out about it and get players on it uh, it's not going to go anywhere
1: yeah no I think you're very correct um I think ultimately the biggest challenge that any operator in the space has to solve is user acquisition right now um, there's some very big players with a lot of money and I think the entire strategy around you know a niche game has really, why we've positioned it that way um just because i think if you come out of the gates and you have sport agnostic platform um you either have to have a very very unique product or you know you have to be able to raise 50 to 100 million dollars out the gate like we've seen with 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 better and you know mojo and some of these other startups that have uh kind of went more kind of Broad as far as sports go so
0: what is uh you have any little secret sauce in in how you're going to bring betters that you or you want to keep that to yourself
1: um probably keep it to myself right now but i think like yeah i i'll just say uh we are really really focused on product, especially our season-long product um as a top funnel tool outside of that we have a lot of stuff in the pipeline for
0: sure yeah you've got you've already got a, a ton of players so you're you're well on your way all right my friend appreciate it russ fruin founder and ceo of grid rival thanks so much for coming on double down yeah Thanks so much for having me. All right. And thank you all for watching and listening to Double Down. We'll be back soon with another great interview. Take care, everyone.